Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good afternoon. Scott Luton, Greg White, and Kevin L. Jackson with you here hello, today hello. on Supply Chain Now. How are we doing, Kevin and Greg? Hey, it's the uh, equinox, right? <laughs> it's going to, it's springtime. It is. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> you know, um, yes, March 20th is the day of vernal equinox and i have to say i'm a bit surprised because i knew vernal as a kid and i never thought he turned out to be much of anything <laughs> i bet they always got his name wrong in school in the first yeah. day of class too huh? that, that's an old bartles and james commercial since hard <laughs> seltzers are so popular right now literally i've gotten three pitches for hard seltzers uh from companies seeking investment in the last week they're so wow. yeah they're, it 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 reminds me of wine coolers kevin remember the 80s is that when wine coolers were popular? Let's go with uh, let's go with Farm. 80s. What's that? What's that? Boone's what is Boone's Farm? Farm? <laughs> Boone's Farm. That's like really classy wine. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I saw somebody drinking Boone's Farm, I thought they lived at the liquor store because they were usually sitting outside drinking it. Only so did, did you get your owl back yet? I'm still trying. Oh, man. That, it, it is hard on you. It, it it is hard on you, isn't it? Yeah, jeez. So, gentlemen, today, uh, as always, Mondays at twelve noon Eastern time are is the supply chain buzz, and we're Greg and I are joined today with host of well, I mean, the list will be eighteen pages long if we really properly introduce everything. Right? <laughs> no, I don't have enough time in the show. But uh, most related, he's host of our Digital Transformers series, which has been uh, is launched out of the gates. He's author of Click the Transform and so much more. So great to have Kevin, uh, you on the buzz with us here today. Oh, I'm now, excited. We are too. So let's, let's, let's get down to work here real quick. We're going to say yeah. like a bunch of folks that have already tuned in here momentarily. But I want to uh, knock out a couple of things. We've got to pay the bills a little bit. Uh, so tomorrow, finally... It's here. We've been promoting this webinar for quite some time. Hundreds of folks have registered to join us. We're going to be talking Industry 4.0. Not that it's around the corner. It's been here for years. Uh, we're going to be getting from Mike. and Don't call to come back. That's right. From Mike and Tobias, we're going to be getting uh, creative applications of Industry 4.0, especially in the manufacturing sector, especially in the automotive sector, which is one of Greg's favorite things to talk about. So looking forward to that tomorrow, an hour early. Because uh, we're we're also we're catering a little bit to not just North American audience, but also the European audience. So we're going to go live tomorrow, Greg, at 11 a.m. Eastern time. I'm glad you reminded me. <laughs> <laughs> so you can you can register for this. We still have room. Here's a link in the show notes. You can join us there. Uh, let's see. Today, Kevin, speaking yeah. of some some programming notes, we dropped a great episode uh, with AT and T Business today, right? Oh, yeah. So we had um, Alex Jones on and, uh, you know, uh, he talks about uh, digital acceleration. He's a, a assistant vice president for Omnichannel at uh, AT&T Business. All of the uh, small and medium sized businesses, 90, over 99 percent of all businesses in the United States uh, meet that category. And he's talking about how companies need to actually rebound from that horrible year we had last year. And um, he's talking about how technology enables digital acceleration, mm. right? And that, and it's, it's, it's a fascinating. I'm thinking, I, I loved it so much. Think about changing the name of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Jones. <laughs> Mr. Jones. I think that's the, that's the song somewhere. All right, yeah. so Greg. Uh, Kevin just mentioned that using technology to accelerate growth and, and accelerating change and and, uh, and 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 to go meet the customers and and meet their demands these days. Any quick commentary on that? Well, I mean, I think that's something that you know we've been talking about since this seismic societal disruption started, and 
you know, I think the general theme we have stated is if you built your house on sand and you have somehow survived the flood of that year, which I noticed Kevin also refuses to name, that year <laughs> that happened prior to 2021, and you somehow managed to survive that flood, don't be foolish enough to do that again. So, yeah, I mean, I think companies have to be thinking about this, and they clearly are. Uh, I can tell you that th there are a lot of solution providers out there thinking about it. I hear from literally three a day. And, uh, there, and there are a lot of companies seeking to solve these problems, as we know, when we talk to so many of the chief supply chain and chief procurement officers out there. Mm, well said. Lots of interest. Uh, and it was a pleasure to sit down with Kevin and Alex on this episode. And see, today in, in the This Week in Business History channel, part of Supply Chain Now programming, we talked about Stuckey's and their magical pecan log roll. Uh, Stuckey's been around 80, for 80 years, and, and the uh, anniversary this week was it was a birthday of their founder, W.S. Stuckey. Uh, they grew to 350 locations by the 70s, and then uh, had a corporate, they sold out to a, a corporate company. And unfortunately, the company was not one that really, uh, that company was acquired, and then that company was acquired. And before you knew it, the core of the business that really served these travelers was really had been ignored and they, um, they, they crashed a bit. Well, now Stephanie Stuckey, the granddaughter of the founder, has repurchased the organization. And she is, as, as Ke uh, Greg, you and Kevin both know, because we've had her here, here oh, yeah. with us on the buzz. She was on the show, yeah. They're on the comeback trail. And so it was really neat to dive into that story and... Greg and Kevin, there's two stories to focus on Stuckey's, but also the second one was what just what is the connection between liquid paper, the monkeys, and MTV? So, <laughs> what an interesting <laughs> trio, huh? So, tune in okay. to, <laughs> this week in wow. business history to learn a lot more. All right, here's a little surprise. So, we got a snapshot this morning, as a matter of fact, and Peter Bolay, I think you're here with us already. So this was neat. Uh, we were just talking about uh, cars last week. Greg is our car automotive aficionado, if I said that word right. Um, and <laughs> we'll go with it. Peter yeah. Bollet, one of our favorite community members here, always chimes in with, with great expertise. He sent us a picture of him and his friends, including his significant other, driving in his 2012 3.7 liter, 310 horsepower, Ford Mustang convertible. You can just see it on the wow. far end there. And the one in the bottom left-hand corner is not his car, but I Googled based on the specs he shared, just so y'all can get a closer look. Greg can probably, he probably has the engineering specs for this vehicle, I imagine, even though his favorite, Greg, is a 1967 Ford Mustang. Yes, Shelby GT500. Oh, yeah. So uh, well, it's interesting because Peter's got a little nod to Shelby American with those two stripes on the driver's side fender. That is a trait of uh, Shelby American and a couple of their drivers when they drove Cobras, Shelby Cobras while racing. I, I want you to, uh, Greg, we need a new automotive focus podcast with the one and only Greg White. <laughs> uh, you could do that in your sleep, but we'll save that for another day. But in the meantime, more importantly, Hey, to, to folks that join us on these live streams, we'd love to you know, give us some snapshots of, of how you're kind of unplugging and, and um, you know, stepping back from all the noise. And, and do, do it this way. Drop it in our LinkedIn group, Insiders group uh, community, or um, we're talking about, not just yet, we're talking about maybe creating a Slack channel for our community members that can jump in and, and kind of further their relationships and share information and whatnot. So, but the easy one right now is join our LinkedIn insiders group and share that way but this is really cool yeah, peter. now insiders yeah thank you uh peter and thank you for sharing as well okay so for a second here before, before we jump into we've got four stories i think we're gonna we're gonna jump into greg and kevin mm -hmm. before we do i want to say hello to a few folks but give us one greg we'll start with you give us one highlight from the weekend and greg i you don't have to share what, what may be folks tuned in last Thursday. What's, what's one highlight? Uh, one highlight from the weekend. I got to spend it with uh, all of my daughters and all of their respective significant others, including one we hope is on the comeback trail. So our youngest had, well, there may be a, uh, what do you call that? Reconciliation. 
in trying to find the, the right words, huh? In the works. And <laughs> yes, and I can tell you that the other two significant others are um they're feared because he was number one b- before he before the split. So mm. there's a threat to number one right now. No. Um, so, you know what? I'll tell you one of the uh, other things is of course March Madness. It was a tragic, tragic end for Wichita State. They were pathetically unprepared and I'll um, I mean, there's no other way to say it and probably overlooked this team. Um, but what an incredible weekend, man, some amazing oral Roberts beat two amazing basketball teams this weekend. Just uh, it, basketball, 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 basketball. <laughs> it, it was that, it was that prayer tower they have on that campus that clearly gave them the edge Been there. As a matter of fact, Wichita <laughs> state plays oral Roberts quite a bit because they're right there in Oklahoma. So yeah. Awesome. Uh, well, Greg, wonderful weekend. And I know that just that just scrapes the t- chip of the iceberg, but comeback clearly is going to be our That's all I here. am allowed to today. announce. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kevin, give us some good news. What was, what was one of your favorite things over the weekend? So, to be honest, over the weekend, uh, the weekend was sort of a, a, a binge-watch weekend for me. <laughs> good. <laughs> <laughs> I feel better knowing that you have you binge watch ever, Kevin, with everything you've got on your plate. Oh, just sitting in front of uh, Netflix all weekend. That's probably a big mistake because, uh, like this week, this Thursday, we, we're doing a a national virtual expo with uh, my uh, online B two B business, uh, Source Connect. We're going to right. be coast to coast, coast um, online. And doing a, a webinar on Thursday also about uh, is your company ready to take Bitcoin? Um, and that's the other thing. Bitcoin went up to sixty k. Wow. Uh, uh, one Bitcoin worth sixty thousand. Uh, so um, it pulled back a little bit, but you know, um, business really needs to be ready for this transition to um, digital. Okay, it's a big thing. I'm with you. Um, uh, Clay and Amanda, if we can drop the link to that event, Source Connect event, in the comments, that'd be wonderful. We should grab that ahead of time. It's my my bad there. Kevin, I've been we've been promoting that a little bit uh, across social, but it sounds like a great, great opportunity for folks to get up speed on, on a variety of different yeah, uh, things free, related to uh, Free registration. It's about over 2,000 people registered already. Outstanding. Outstanding. So let's drop that link. Um, and moving right along, let's say hello to a few folks here. So, of course, Peter is with us. He, he is the the uh, the owner, the happy owner of that uh, that very fast Mustang we shared a little while ago. Mm-hmm. And clearly it looks like um, the weather might be nice up in Montreal. Jeffrey Miller, one of the smartest folks we know, Greg and Kevin. In fact, I think the three of y'all could really, uh, Greg, Kevin and Jeffrey, I think y'all could. Uh, solve world hunger and, and peace in the Middle East and everything else. We can get three of y'all <laughs> together sometime. But hope hope this finds you well, Jeffrey. Simon, love Simon's sense of humor. Great to have you here via LinkedIn. Catherine McCleary, talk about a digital transformer and a digital content uh, factory. Uh, wow. Catherine's got a lot of great stuff over at the Una Group. Right, Greg? Yeah, and she's going to need... She's going to need some advanced technology to break down the Chiefs roster because we are making a ton of roster moves in the offseason. So, <laughs> Catherine, whatever you can do there to help KC make make sense of this new roster, I would sure appreciate it. Love it. We'll break it down. Maybe on the Supply Chain Geeks Talk Sports episode. There you go. Kevin from Kenya, Nairobi. Great, great to have you here via LinkedIn. Welcome, welcome, welcome. T-Squared is with us, who holds down the fort on YouTube. We, we actually saw, I think, the gentleman behind T-Squared last week. Uh, Seagram's and Sundance, anyone? That's the wine Yeah, he's there. <laughs> uh, Dr. Rhonda Bompenza Zimmerman is with us. Great to see you here, Rhonda. Sheldon Rose via LinkedIn. Gary Smith. Gaurav, if I said that correctly. Hopefully, I, if I didn't, I apologize. Welcome from India. Uh, let's see. Jeff Talbot is with us uh, from San Francisco. Early, uh, kind of early this morning, and finally, AA. Good morning from Wichita State, Shockerland. And there's lots of references. <laughs> <laughs> there's lots of references to uh, all the upsets. Okay, so I could. I know we couldn't get to everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this episode of the Supply Chain Butts. So, Greg and Kevin, are y'all ready to dive in? Big news! Big news! Let's ready. do it. 
I want to uh, let's see if I press the right button. So this was kind of neat. So this is the first story we're going to uh, tackle briefly here today. We're talking trade. We've got a new U.S. trade representative in Catherine, uh, Catherine Ta. And a couple of observations, I'll tell you, in an article like this, this was one of the deep dives from Supply Chain Dive. And, and you know, if you want to really go to hard-hitting news and analysis where they really um, they do a great job getting to the, the root of the story, you can check out Supply Chain Dive, which is one of probably, Greg, what, 20 different uh, aspects of the industry dive? They have a ton and, of them, yeah. But, um, for Relevant to our industry are uh, usually retail dive, uh, supply chain dive, and um, like grocery dive talks a lot about, or food industry dive or something like that talks a lot about supply chain, obviously, because yep. that's where the profit is made in the food industry. Agreed. And their transportation dive just celebrated their one-year anniversary today. Also that one. Yeah, sorry about yeah, that. That's not well. Um, but this is a deep dive article by Shafali Kapadia, who we, we've covered here before, very talented writer. Uh, all about this new U.S. trade representative and a couple observations about trade policy that we might can expect. Some of these won't be surprises. Number one, expect more multilateralism. I think we all expected that. Uh, they don't see any expectation of the full removal, the full removal of Section 301 tariffs in the short term, but exclusions, more exclusions, is, seems to be a priority uh, that Catherine Ta has. And then analysts say the Biden administration appears to be much more focused on on foreign policy in particular rather than trade policy. So a big difference uh, between uh, the two recent uh, White House uh, occupants. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I, I like this quote from the article. Uh, we've talked about this extensively, but uh, Shafali really puts it well. Quote, the backdrop of COVID-19 puts trade in a different lens for policymakers. The pandemic shed light on the United States' over-reliance on foreign nations for critical goods such as pharmaceuticals and personal protective equipment. It made clear that trade policy and supply chain risk management are intertwined, end quote. So, Greg, let's go with you first. Uh, a couple of thoughts on um, on trade and, and maybe how the new administration is going to tackle this, especially with China. Well, I think we're going to it would be impossible to be less lenient with China than we are today. I can't tell you, frankly, I'm not enough of a trade expert to know that whether that is prudent or not. Uh, if anything, if COVID-19 has taught us anything, it is that, to put it mildly, China is not our friend um, and that they will use trade as as a, a hammer against us. So um, hopefully these are uh, prudent and not, uh, what should I say? Rash. Uh, or I wasn't going to say rash. I was going to say more like uh, window dressing, right? Uh, the, not for optics. We've seen a lot of moves in this new uh, administration, some of which are very prudent, some of which are optics, some of which are um, a representation of the prior administration's policies, some of which exists in the recent, the recent uh, executive order on supply chain. So I'm just hopeful that there is substance here and that it's, as you said, prudent and well thought out. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Greg, uh, I'm sorry, Kevin. <laughs> well, um, I was looking at a uh, a show uh, before I started binge watching, by the way. It was talking <laughs> about how trade was being reset in the new administration. And it was, it was really highlighted when the uh, Secretary of State, Anthony uh, Blinken, uh, Met with the uh, Chinese, his counterpart, Chinese counterpart up in uh, Anchorage, Alaska, and, and it's kind of interesting. They, they they called it quote an undiplomatic war of words between the two representatives, where Blinken said that um, China's actions would re or could result in far more violent world, while uh, Beijing accused the United States of mistreating black Americans. I mean, I'm mm -hmm. sitting right there looking at it and it's like, wow, this is uh this is <laughs> this is how the uh the top diplomats from two countries that are supposed to be trading partners talking <laughs> to one another. <laughs> not really diplomatic. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah. So um <laughs> you know you don't know how much of it is real, probably very little, and how much of it is theater, probably a whole lot of it. Was <laughs> well said. You know, <laughs> it's still interesting. 
We're gonna yeah. have to. We're gonna build a trade show soon, Greg. We're gonna have to. I, I know that uh, Nadia Theodore, which is one of Canada's leading trade leaders here in the states, she's since moved into private sector. We'd love to have her back. And then there's a gentleman that I can't remember his name right this second, but he came and keynoted at the Georgia Logistics Summit. And and the guy just Javier he and Nadia, yeah, could, yeah, could maybe so. Uh, the yeah. two of them would be two dynamos. We'll have to tee up a show. Uh, but really quick, a couple comments here. Azalea says, I hope the new trade chief speaks Chinese. And she does. She speaks Mandarin, uh, Catherine Tai. And she come, and, and there was a lot of great compliments uh, about her in the article. Uh, Aaron completely agrees with Greg about China. And Azalea, hopefully I'm not cutting you off too bad there, Kevin. Reading the art of war can help one better understand China's trade tactics and motives. Great points there, Azalea. Okay. So a lot more to come, a lot more to come. One, one last comment about this in the article. It talked about how for better or for worse, and there's plenty of, of well-respected and educated opinions there, but it talked about how the, the Trump administration would move so fast, Greg, kind of to your point, and would, would make decisions and policy like overnight and what other administrations would take two years and nuanced communication they kind of put in place. So again, for better or for worse, but we'll see how this works out in this very unique relationship between the U.S. and China? Well, I think it's really important to understand your trading partners yeah. and honor and respect are very important in in all Asian cultures. Um, and we didn't show any of that. I mean, regardless of, of who of what you think about well, the policy, we didn't show any of that honor or respect. And I, I'm yeah. sure that hindered the relationships pretty substantially. Yeah, great point there, Keg. Uh, Greg. I can't get y'all's names right today. I want to combine it. Call you okay, all. I can see why you'd confuse us. <laughs> but Kevin, I've done some binge watching this weekend also, Kevin. <laughs> Kevin, you had one little thing to add on Greg's comment there? No, it's, it's my twin. That's all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, well, let's get into reverse logistics, one of our favorite topics around here. We, uh, we've got our upcoming... <laughs> Reverse Logistics Series uh, a week from actually this coming Friday. Yeah, be Friday, featuring right? a, a senior executive in supply chain from Best Buy. So tune in for that this Friday. But Kevin, let's yeah. talk about this story here. Talking about reverse logistics and last mile. Right, absolutely. You know, um, the online commerce is just huge, right? And uh, the Digital Commerce 360 showed uh, there was a study done, and that they said that consumers spent $861 billion online with retailers in 2020. That was up 44% from 2019. Not, you know, not that something unusual happened in 2020 that kept everybody home on the <laughs> Shopping from Amazon, right? But Amazon right. hit almost 40% year-over-year growth. Um, and in the holiday season, it, uh, overall shopping jumped 45%. So companies are really reevaluating their supply chain operations for delivering these products, you know, understandably, right? Um to try to keep pace on the rise of demand. But there's really a flip side of that because it's, it's, it's a lot easier to buy. It's also a lot easier to return, right? right. So there's been a huge increase in e-commerce returns. And you may not really understand this or appreciate this, but a million dollars in return can actually drop profit by over $500,000. Mm. So returns really hurt profit. So many merchandisers, many retailers basically say, don't return it, just keep it. Because the cost of returning exceeds the, the value of the, of the sale, right? But many companies really haven't thought about the importance of reverse logistics. So they don't have a plan in, in place. But that's really becoming critical as online sales. Mm -hmm. You know, reverse re logistics supply requires about 20% more space and labor when compared 
to forward logistics. Hmm. So you really need that, you know, companies in the supply chain world really need to think about that and, and plan and identify how to um, take care of those, of those returns. Well said. All right. So Greg, how far, we can't be too far away from when you signal to a re- retailer that you want to return something, they're going to respond by asking you if you could check with your neighbors and see if they would like it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, uh, you know, it's funny because we talked about returns a bit in our household this weekend. Mm. Um, and I watched a return process just before we got on the show when my middle daughter Delaney was, um, returning something to, I think Lululemon or somebody like that. So I inquired, you know, how the process worked and all that sort of thing for that particular retailer is really, really interesting. And it's funny because we talk about a lot of the solutions that are available, right. In this day and age. And I mean, just to put some perspective, I mean, the percentages are important, but I think it's important to recognize that retail sales and e-commerce went up from $600 million in 2019 to almost $900 million this year. So uh, it, uh, 900 billion, I'm sorry, did I say million? Yeah. Sorry, $1 billion. (laughs) Um, um, So, I mean, it it is a significant leap in dollars, right? And, And what I'm seeing in the investment world so much is this incredible, incredible, um, just, addition of sorry Rhonda Rhonda talked about she sent me a note on LinkedIn sorry I have to I have to air this first she sent me a note on LinkedIn and said you always seem so thoughtful and well prepared and and you measure your words very carefully and I've never been able to say a word ever since she sent that to me (laughs) (laughs) I keep thinking about am I really that measured but anyway there's a lot of technology companies particularly in Europe because they have laws supporting this in the Mm -hmm. states we are well behind Europe uh, because of that. But there is the existing reverse logistics space that Kevin talks about. And I was a retailer um, in an industry, the automotive industry, where we had a ton of returns, some we expected, things called cores, where you buy a starter, you turn in your old starter, we have it remanufactured. And and other returns that happened, and that was when we were selling 100% from stores. And it is incredibly inefficient. There are so many things to consider. Is is the product still good? Is the product what you sold them? Or did they just put something else back in the box? Is the box any good? Right? Does the product need to be quality tested or refurbed, rehabbed, liquidated, whatever? Right. All of those things create all those complications that Kevin is talking about. And But there are companies now who are really addressing this problem um, before or as the goods get back. But Scott, even to your point, how to disposition the good if you intend to return it. Um, Some companies are exploring how to put goods that are sold strictly online into small businesses. And good Lord, don't we know that small businesses need a chance these days. Mm. Imagine if that that ridiculous looking Louis Vuitton, sorry for any of you Louis Vuitton fans, (laughs) that ridiculous looking Louis Vuitton bag that you bought Imagine if you could just take it to a local store that sells clothes and they could sell it rather than ship it back, right? And, and all kinds of solutions like that. So uh, it's definitely in the forefront of, of companies' minds, of technologists' minds, of investors' minds. We're going to see billions flow in, in investment, flow into the reverse logistics market over the next, next few years. Agreed. Well, you know, um, something that I, I was surprised with you know, all everyone's transitioning online and the big malls, these anchor stores at malls are becoming empty, right? The malls are becoming empty. Mm-hmm. Um, well, for reverse logistics, the, it doesn't require the same level of functionality and sophistication as traditional distribution centers. So now they're converting abandoned mall anchor space into basic warehouse facilities for helping e-commerce returns. So the yeah. mall now is going to be a, e, a return center for e-commerce. Hey, uh, whatever it takes to reuse that property, that because as we've talked about before, Greg, the malls are facing massive. They have been facing, and now on top of the further complicated by pandemics and 
and survey after survey that says so many consumers are not going to return to malls. So I, I love to see that utilized different ways. Um, I want to share a, a couple of things. Uh, and by the way, Greg, as you were talking about stores, maybe both of y'all were talking about stores for returns. I had completely forgotten about back in the 80s when I was growing up, a store called Bums. And I don't know if it was local to the Augusta area, uh, Aiken, South Carolina area, or if it was national, what have you. But they would offer high-end clothing that I couldn't afford when I was growing up uh, that had holes or stains or something, lightly used stuff, and but in person. Mm -hmm. And I, I think there's some different plays with some chains right now, but they don't. I don't think they offer maybe uh, stuff as maybe beat up as this place did. Oh, they do. But do they? Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I haven't bought clothes yeah. in 12 years, Greg. I wouldn't, I would not know, my friend. Um, <laughs> you wear them out yourself. The good old right. fashioned way. <laughs> That's right. But hey, uh, oh, sure. We got a ton of comments around this, this, um, really the first two topics. And then I want to start by saying this from David, because clearly LinkedIn is having some issues in recent weeks. It is. I'm, I'm watching it over here. And I, I notice a lot of people are watching us from YouTube today. So maybe yes. we could drop the links in for some of these other channels. So Yes. Folks can go to a technology company that's got their stuff together. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, uh, Dave, and great to see you. And I agree with you. LinkedIn's got to get it figured out. But going back more to the reverse logistics, Gary says the returns process will be the undoing of many new e-tailers. Uh, Rhonda talking about our compliment to Greg. She really meant that. It was like, I, I knew she meant it as a compliment. It's just, you know, you know how you're sort of. Um, unaware of something, and then you become aware of it, and it's impossible to do. What was the? There was a second baseman for the Yankees who could not throw to first. Steve Sasser. <laughs> no, no. I think it's yeah. Noblock. No, Noblock. Chuck Noblock. Yes. Noblock. Yes. Formerly with the Twins, he was with the Twins when they they beat the Braves in '91, I believe. But that's a great call out, Greg. Very nice, man. It's better. Chuck. Yeah, it's better to remain unconscious in your competence. <laughs> AA says reverse logistics is going to reshape the industry of 4.0 quite significantly. T squared, great C T squared. Forward logistics shouldn't be on the pedestal for show. I agree. Uh, we're gonna try to fit this one in. This might be a little big. Well, I'm I'm gonna paraphrase this a bit so we won't cut off Kevin there. Saranda so was listening to Rick Roll podcast this weekend. He's not in the supply chain world, and he referenced e-commerce trends in the fitness and wellness world which Rhonda is very active. Uh, if you follow her on socials, ton of hiking and stuff, uh, and about how that's changed shopping habits. So mm -hmm. Rhonda was thinking about all the ways you've talked about this here at Supply Chain Now. Sure. He was concerned, Rick Roll, Rick Roll, try to say that five times fast. Mm. He was concerned about waste and how the industry is addressing this. Also, something you all do an amazing job talking about and the need to address this issue. Rhonda, I, I thought, uh, I didn't realize that was a big old compliment there, but um, thank you for sharing. You know, reverse logistics and waste and returns, huge opportunities that we're all speaking to, and one that to really continue to serve the e-commerce uh, demand, that's no end in sight, uh, we're going to have to get much, much better about as practitioners and organizations and leaders. Yeah, Jeff Miller. Oh, I was just going to say, Scott, I can't tell you how much guilt I feel every time I put out the trash on sand on Sunday night. With all of the cardboard boxes that we have because of all the yeah. e-commerce shopping that we're doing, we have a we have a big a bin the same size as our trash bin for um, recycling. for recycling, right? But you know, for some reason, I don't know that I know. I don't feel like I know that that stuff is getting recycled or recycled properly. And and at the same time, I think isn't there a better way? And I was reading an article. See, I think forward logistics sh should be on the pedestal in in this way in regard to um, returns. We need to think more about preventing returns or preventing waste, right? Or preventing, I mean... Well, the you know, packaging we itself is wasteful. There's too much. What's that? The packaging itself. Yes. That, yeah, wasteful. that's exactly what I was thinking, yeah. right? The box is too big, so it's full of other stuff that gets thrown away as well, right? But I saw someone who was talking about the automation of packaging last week. And imagine a scenario where your your shipment gets a box built for it that is precisely the size of that order, right? With just mm -hmm. enough packaging to make it safe and secure. And, and then the box ships. That's a possibility. We're not that far from that. 
imagine a scenario, Greg. That's what I <laughs> in a world. In a world. <laughs> all right. Ton of comments here. We can't get to all of them. I want to share. Um, let's see. I'm going to share this from Gary because he breaks out something we can all relate to. The good old J.C. Penny catalog. So uh, he says, true, when I was a J.C. Penny catalog in the early 80s, we knew items would come back and had a pretty good returns policy. New e-tailers missed this entirely to their detriment. There are technologies addressing that, Gary. Mm. Have faith. They just need to be a bit more um, universally adopted, right? Because Amazon doesn't really care that much about that for their sellers. Uh, one final comment here, uh, and we're going to move to Kevin. You got another story about farmer from from returns to farmers. Farm. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Paula, Paula, and hope Paula finds you well in the Midwest, central part of the country. We sold refurb devices to our supplier, but sometimes they failed cosmetic or functional testing and needed to be returned for reimbursement. <laughs> Reverse logistics squared. How about that? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the circular keeps coming back. Yeah. All right. So uh, a lot of good stuff here. Uh, Kevin, I appreciate you sharing the Forbes article that uh, chock full of, of uh, POV and, and statistics that always mm-hmm. reverse logistics and returns always gets the conversation going. So are we ready? Kevin, final word before we move on to, to uh, farmers.com. We're going to go to farmers. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tell us about what's going on with Farmer Connect. Looks like uh, they're doing some good things to land some new funding. Well, yeah, absolutely. So Farmer Connect, it really is is focused on helping technology improve the the distribution and visibility of distribution of agricultural goods. Um, but one of the one of the biggest components of the Farmer Connect uh, model is actually good old coffee. <laughs> and they've they've actually secured like nine million dollars in Series A investment uh, because their vision is to quote humanize consumption through technology, which is kind of weird, right? You know, but what they really focused on is enabling traceable, sustainable, and efficient agricultural supply chains. So they want to directly connect the farmers to the consumers and everyone in between. So they're really doing what their what their name says. And um, the small uh, holders of and farmers really want to connect digitally to the agricultural supply chain. And they're leveraging blockchain technology to do that in order to ensure traceability and validation. And the reason this is important with respect to the money is because there is a huge demand for traceability when it comes to what's called ESG, uh, which is environmental, social, and corporate governance, and investing, as well as SDG, investing and that stands for sustainable development goals so they are actually getting these huge amounts of invested money because they are enabling this traceability they're reducing the carbon footprint tracking and they are automating tasks reducing reducing the cost so this is this is critical we're just talking about you know returns well this is really reducing the environmental impact of us eating our food every day. So I, I think this is important. And they also have this uh, Thank My Farmer app where you, the consumer, can trace the origin of their cereal in the morning or their burger that they're eating <laughs> and, and trace the origins and the quality of the commodity. And it can even financially support the farmer by giving, uh, you know, a donation to to the farmer who actually grew the raw goods. So that's visibility and seeing what you eat. I love that. Any any um, any plans for uh, tie-ins 
to farmersonly.com. Any word on that yet, Kevin? Maybe. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, sorry, I, I think those commercials are a joke. Every time I see them, I'm like, are they serious? I'm serious with you, Greg. I, I'm with you, man. Hey, so Greg, weigh in here. I mean, you're you're our investment guru. I mean, uh, how do you how does your brain perceive this news that Kevin shared? Well, I mean, I see companies like this every day. And Scott, what I think is really interesting is how this ties into some of the companies we talk about on logistics with purpose, right? Mm -hmm. Thrive Farmers, where they're trying to do right by the farmers, particularly in the coffee industry, as you both know, mm -hmm. where they are ext extraordinarily disadvantaged and extraordinarily taken advantage of. Um, they're making sure that the farmers get their fair share. This is another application that allows you to verify you know whether it's fish or meat or vegetables or whatever who right. caught it cut it or 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 grew it and and the conditions under which it was grown and shipped and and you know placed in a grocery and all those sorts of things and connecting all of that so there's some accountability i think this has the strong possibility to address a ton of things obviously sustainability, fair trade, right? You know, you guys know how I feel about fair trade and human yeah. rights, and let's call it what it is, slavery and things like that. So, uh, you know, the ability to, for the consumer, to hold their, their suppliers, their brands accountable is uh, really powerful. And it, it will allow us to finally do what we say we will do and rarely do, what is it? 40% of consumers say they'll choose suppliers based on their ESG policies and only 10% actually do. Hmm. So this will allow us some visibility to, to do those sorts of things. And also, it, I mean, it will help farmers reach the market more efficiently, which, you know, if things keep going the way they are. The only farmer we're going to have in America is Bill Gates, who's buying up the most of the farmland in America. Hmm. Um, so... <laughs> I'm sure this will help Bill somehow. And gosh, who needs it more than he does? Um, <laughs> Let's share a couple of comments here from our uh, audience and community members. Aaron, that's awesome. Anything to help our farmers is great. Kind of echoes some of the things that Kevin and Greg has shared. Rhonda agrees. Pretty cool. Gary, oh, by the way, Gary, uh, Greg has his palate. It has not it's not been lost, not been removed. It's right over his shoulder. Just pallet check in, <laughs> Gary Smith. So Gary says, hopefully this will also reduce food waste in the supply chain, which is as high as 30 to 40%. Great call out there, Gary. Food yes. waste is such a yeah. huge challenge. Um, That's a whole nother level of the supply chain that we need to address. And we've talked uh, to some companies who are doing that as well. Also a great cause. Yes. Uh, don't don't be good. Be gooder. As, as I shamelessly right. told Greg's line there. Um, Gladstone, welcome to the live stream. I think this is the first time you've joined us here. Uh, he says the establishment of the visibility into the distribution of farm products through traceability and sustainability of the commodities to improve quality is the way to go. Great point yeah. there, Gladstone. Simon says we need standardized cross industry measures of ethical, sustainable, moral supply chain a being ace to f being fail oh a being ace, ace. f being fail i got you sorry simon it's monday my brain's moving <laughs> slow watch your lips <laughs> <laughs> finally a a i wonder can the blockchain <laughs> trace the ingredient of the burger or hot dog if so how is this traceability effect sales great <laughs> really good point if people knew what went into hot dogs and bologna they would never eat them again sausage <laughs> also. What, about, what about that impossible meat <laughs> Ooh, that's a great point that have, is a great have you ever point. eaten that stuff i mean it feels like it's mostly salt I, <laughs> I swell up like a balloon when i eat that stuff uh a couple more comments here big show bob bova is with us He's got a friend in the cardboard box business. The cost of cardboard has skyrocketed in own allocation. So please keep recycling. Sylvia. Hey, Sylvia in Charleston. Uh, agreed. More quality, less returns. I just bought a Redland cotton duv duvet duvet. Cover? duvet. duvet. Okay. Sorry. I yeah, got it's a comforter. Another word for <laughs> Kind of. A duvet? That's how they say in Georgia, right? 
Oh gosh, uh, Sylvia, you can't use big words with me. Come on now. Um, no French. <laughs> so she no says, hundred percent cotton made in Alabama. It came in a letter size envelope with no wasted packaging. I love those kinds of stories. We waste so much on packaging. Uh, and then Gary says, uh, two things you never want to see made: sausage and legislation. <laughs> <Great point. laughs> Absolutely. So we, um, so, so great story here. A lot lot of great, um, I love reverse logistics, Kevin, and of course, farming. So two great stories. Appreciate you bringing it to the buzz here today. We are going to move on our final story, if it's okay here. Any final comment, Kevin, before we move forward on the farmers? Uh, <laughs> we've, we've done a lot already. <laughs> yeah, well, keep your eye on that industry. So I work with a I work with a um, an incubator in Wichita, Kansas called Groover Labs, and obviously ag tech is big in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. So uh, see a lot of companies coming through, uh, you know, organizations like that. We got the perfect spokesperson. His first name is Bo Greg. We're going to, we're going to line him up for Groover Labs. It'd be a home run. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. So let's move to our final story here today. This is this is neat. So um, Chris Barnes and I were out in we we're up in Chicago a couple years back, and we were at a a trade show with the Apex organization, which is now ASCM. Well, next door to that gathering where we where we did a remote. Po- remote uh, broadcast, by the way, one of our first ones, was the association, let me get this right, it was the Association for uh, American Society, sorry, American Society of Civil Engineers, and they had a big gathering, and and they had focused a gathering, one of the things they focused on was this infrastructure report they come out with every three or four years, and that's when it first hit my radar. I think we had a D minus was our infrastructure grade back then, three or four years ago. Well, it's report card time again. And yes, your parents are going to have to sign this. We're all going to need to sign this one. It's not pretty for U.S. infrastructure, but there's a little bit of good news here. So again, the ASCE has released its latest report card on our infrastructure, uh, and C minus is this year's grade. So, so we've gotten a little bit better. In fact, it's the first time in 20 years that it has not been in the D range, either D D minus D D or D plus. So here's three key trends. There's a ton of information. It's very exhaustive research. You'll have to go to uh, ASCE's website to get the whole thing. I looked at the, uh, I reviewed the executive summary this morning and three key takeaways that they really want to highlight from all the research. Number one, maintenance backlogs are still a huge issue, but asset management best practices are helping to prioritize those maintenance activities. That's a great thing. You know, because if, you, if you've got limited resources, limited funding and, and limited help and experts to, to, to fix stuff, you want to you prioritize those resources for sure. State and local governments, number two, have made progress. Get this. At least 25 major cities and states now have chief resilience officers, mm. CR, new, new, new version of CROs. Federal funding in particular has been increased for ports, drinking water, and inland waterways. But finally, the three big key, um, the, one of the final big takeaways from the research there's still a huge data gap for various aspects of our national infrastructure, especially school facilities and levees. There's some 10,000 miles of levees where there's little to no data in terms of, of their well-being and, and soundness. So really interesting. Uh, they take a very holistic approach at evaluating infrastructure. Y'all can check that out. Maybe we can we can drop a link in the comments for everybody to consume. There's a ton of information. But um, let's start with you, Greg. Any, any? Uh, we've talked about infrastructure quite a bit here today. Mm-hmm. You know, backbone of, of supply chains, how stuff moves. Uh, any, any initial thoughts on your end? Strangely, I saw a report on the Detroit Dam, which is strangely in Oregon, just above Salem, and the Army Corps of Engineers is lowering the water level in the lake from now until April, because um, they've determined that if the, the gates are such that if an earthquake were to hit of a certain magnitude, that the gates would crumble and down comes the whole dam and, and buries Salem, Oregon, which mm. is the capital city of Oregon. In case you didn't know that, I had forgotten it. Um, 
<laughs> and and then, you know, I'm, I'm I constantly think about infrastructure. ASCE is the American Society of Civil Engineers, so these folks should know they are the ones responsible for maintaining hmm. uh, this infrastructure, and uh, this is a way that they can hold governments accountable, frankly, without losing their jobs, because sometimes infrastructure issues are ignored by government entities while they spend money on other things. It's not, not visible, sure. right? But, uh, all, yeah. of those, all those cracking concrete underneath the uh, bridge that you're robbing over top, you can't see. Mm. Well, you, when I moved, wet. <laughs> when I moved to Atlanta in 1995, uh, should have said just over two decades ago, um, <laughs> Atlanta was being fined $12,000 a day for dumping untreated waste into the Chattahoochee River. Wow. Um, Millions, hundreds, thousands, a lot of gallons a day. Um, And I presume that they have cured that because on the way to our studio, which I haven't driven to in a while, but on the way to our studio, I have to cross the bridge over the Chattahoochee where that plant exists. And let's just say the water looks a little bit clearer. So, um, you know, these are things where cities and and municipalities and counties and states have to be held accountable because the, you know, a lot of the work is not the federal government's. The federal government might provide the fundings for interstate highways, for instance, but the municipality is responsible for repairs and upgrades inside their limits. Yes. And, And in all of these different levels, you've got different dynamics and politics and unfortunately waste. Um, but at least we've got a little good news in terms of how that third party, the ASCE, looks at it. Kevin, any, that grade any, is up, so yeah. we're doing something, right? You know, I feel a little bit like Tommy Boy. They don't like to give a lot of C minuses, but he <laughs> passed. So Kevin, any any thoughts on your end? Well, you know, infrastructure uh, has really been crumbling uh, across the entire United States. Uh, bridges, um, tunnels. And there has been no uh, money around locally. And then uh, previous administrations had really you know, raped state and local when it comes to uh, budget. Uh, and it's just gotten worse. And then, uh, you know, last, the, the year that will remained unnamed mm. uh, took a lot of money with respect to protecting us all from the, uh, from the virus. So uh, I'm afraid infrastructure, uh, investment in infrastructure is, is, may actually get worse before it gets, before it gets better. So that, that's really scary. Um, but uh, it's, it's necessary. It's necessary. Agreed. Got to keep stuff moving. Got to, and, 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 you know, that's just one aspect of infrastructure. This really looks at, as I mentioned, schools and uh waterways and and what the the pipe system for water and and you name it uh so y'all check that out i think we've already dropped the link in the uh show notes and let us know what your key takeaways are ton of information thanks to our friends over at asce for making the investment um okay i'd be interested to understand what folks around the world perceive their infrastructure to look like because in certain areas of the world germany is a great example theirs is stellar and they continue to maintain it so uh, it can point. it can be done, right? Yes. Um, any uh, hey, with famous Greg White ism, with time, with enough time and money, you can move mountains, right? <laughs> 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 All right. So let's look at uh, a couple comments here. Chris Barnes and ATL still has three of the top ten most congested interstate interchanges in the USA. John Perry who also said Steve Sachs had throwing issues much like Chuck Knobloch and Greg, which I'm still impressed with, Greg. That that was a nice pull. The (laughs) one good thing to come from COVID is improvements to infrastructure, as John Perry says. Yeah, as as in that year, it will not be named, as Kevin just shared. (laughs) Aaron asked a great question I'm not sure of. Are the Army Corps of Engineers not involved with levies? Well, there's certainly, as we know, uh, they're involved. Dating, yeah, they're definitely I don't involved. Know if it's good or bad, but they're involved. <laughs> well, it depends too. It depends on, for instance, where most of the levees are in Louisiana. Uh, they maintain a lot of control over those levees, and 
I don't know if anybody knows anything about politics in Louisiana, but they make a uh, banana republic look like a stellar mm-hmm. democracy. Mm-hmm. So, um, it, it, you know, it, it, a lot of the control goes back to this, goes back to the the local governments. Well, Kevin, you know who we need? We need some Air Force engineers taking care of these levees, <laughs> right? Anyone but the Army. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, oh, Ron, right. I forgot. Okay, sorry. I, I wasn't going where you guys were going. <laughs> I didn't realize, yeah, I didn't realize where you guys were going there. I get it. Well, it just sidebar. Uh, Kevin is our formal, uh, amongst other things, former naval aviator i was just a lowly data analyst in our air force a little bit of inner service rivalry and greg is our retired he does not admit it will not remit it cia cia undercover world global secret agent officer uh but anyway double secret we'll tell uh, you Shan- more about that but we'd have to kill you yes <laughs> <laughs> shandon uh thanks for this today it says wonderful session today supply chain management should be well synchronized with international trade policy shandon excellent point and you know kind of pointing back to that supply chain dive article clearly that's one key takeaway from the year that will not be named folks really had an awakening in terms of how policy can really showcase their resilience or frag, uh, fragility. Um, let's see here. Uh, Aaron says it certainly seems that Pennsylvania's infrastructure is getting better since we're always seeing grab that one. <laughs> <laughs> always seeing orange on the roads. Hey, oh gosh, isn't that the truth? Now uh, stuck in that traffic jam, I imagine. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Plenty here. Um, Rhonda says, had a train track here in Tempe, Arizona, go down about six months ago. Impacts the supply chain, obviously. This track had reportedly had issues before, took a major accident happened, and now, just now, they're redoing the entire railway in that location. You know, unfortunately, uh, gosh, what were we watching? Um, it might have been World War II in color, which is a really neat series on Netflix, and and we were revisiting uh, the Pearl Harbor and all the warnings that were ignored until the disaster lay before uh, the military. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, all too often, you know, until it really bites you, you know, leadership can ignore all the warning signs. It sounds like that may have been in play there in Tempe, Arizona. Okay. Well, as much fun as I'm having with Greg and Kevin, Greg, you and I always have a wonderful time covering the news and interacting and, and hearing from all of our folks in the comments. Kevin has been a little spice of life inserted yes. into our, our buzz today. I love it when we get I these additional Thank perspectives. You. Kevin, we get, to, we get to hear from you all the time, but the audience does not. So I really but appreciate you, you joining us. But you're always turning the volume down, so I was wondering. <laughs> no, I'm muting me, not muting you. <laughs> well, uh, before we wrap, I want to share with everybody by now, whether it's uh, Tequila Sunrise or Digital Transformers or connecting just with, with our hosts and, and our uh, all of our programming, you can go to supplychainnow.com. We're working really hard to serve as a voice of global supply chain. So now that we've done all the heavy lifting, I want to, I want to put the, uh, Greg and Kevin, get you all both the way in here briefly as we wrap. Uh, Greg, what is next for Tequila Sunrise? Yeah, next we're going to release an episode with where I'm going to make some connections between companies and Generation Z. So you're going to get six, six, wow. six. I need. I wish I could do that on one hand. You're going to get <laughs> six tips: three from me and three from an actual member of Gen Z, my middle daughter Delaney Sue White, and um, talk about what her job experience has been. And it's really been stellar. The company she works for, which I will not um, announce here, but you'll get to see it, um, has done a great job of creating mentorship and higher purpose and all those sorts of things. Anyway, I've given away two of the six already, but uh, listen up because it's a great discussion. And we did it in person, Scott Luton, because she's here with us. We did an actual video episode in person, sitting in two of our favorite chairs in uh, in the house here. Love so. it. And I didn't know until you just let the cat out of the bag, Delaney Sue. Sue is her middle name. Is that right? Yes. She's named after my grand my grandmother's nickname. I so 
Delaney My grandmother's Sue. name was Freda Imogena, so we called her Sue. Because <laughs> Freda Imogena is hard to say, and in English it sounds awful. Frida Imogene. So, <laughs> but easier for you to say for sure. But that Sue. Would, it sounds like there should Sue. be a a song written for Delaney Sue. It maybe already has been, but uh, there is. Forward, forward that a, interview. I thought it was called a. A uh, man named Suit. No. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Cash. Statues. Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> so let's. Um, so thank you for that. Looking forward to that on Tequila Sunrise. Uh, Kevin, what yeah. is up next for Digital Transformers? So I know you said earlier today that um, we're just re- released our episode with Alex Jones from AT and T on your channel. But in April, we're going to have uh, Trust Your Supplier. Um, on the, on the show. And if you haven't heard about Trust Your Supplier, it really is, is revolutionizing the onboarding process for suppliers to some of the world's largest um, uh, corporations, companies like IBM, Vodafone, Nokia, Lenovo, uh, JetBlue, Cisco, Aramco, uh, GlaxoSmithKline. They really have uh, information and lifecycle management of information to increase the ability to meet deadlines and goals. And they're leveraging uh, blockchain to really transform the buyer-supplier relationships and improving insights. So uh, we got, that's going to be huge, I believe. Yeah, looking forward to that. And let's talk about a list of no names there. I've never heard uh, no, no getting small aside. Names, small companies. <laughs> Ascent conversation. I look forward to that and sharing that with our community. Uh, we're going to wrap just with a couple of quick comments and then we're going to sign off. A great one here, a serious one from Big Show Bob Bova. If we don't mentor the youth of today, we've got no right to complain about them. Excellent, excellent point, Bob. And I'll tell you, Greg and Kevin, as you both know, we're mentored all the time by folks from earlier generations. We've learned so much from a bunch of talented people, people that are on this live stream right this second behind the scenes, and Amanda, Natalie, and Clay. So um, that's a great point, great call out there. Uh, on a very serious note, Paula says, Greg, she, he, I had a cat that had six toes on each foot. <laughs> very uh, serious. <laughs> the things you learn. And we've got a new new, new host, uh, Gerg. So looking forward to hearing I have you. made that mistake myself. <laughs> don't feel bad, Aaron. I have I have actually misspelled my own name before. I don't know why spell check even allows that. I was thinking about <laughs> and one final welcome. And and hopefully we got to most of the, the first time or so to speak, but Stephen Haney, which clearly has got a ton of professional certifications. Uh welcome to today's live stream. Look forward to you participating in future uh conversations. Okay. Too much fun today, Greg and Kevin. Very always very a pleasure. Let's do it again. Uh, what's Let's that? over again. Let's do it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm well, I'm a, just to be clear, I'm already late for a partner meeting for Kubera, but I let I've let Balaji know that I was going to be late. I have a feeling he's watching just to prove <laughs> to prove that you <laughs> that I'm not just using it as a, as an excuse. To be late to the meeting, yeah. Well, because of that, we should make sure, hey, check out Kubera Venture Capital, our friends at Balaji, who, who's going to be on the upcoming Take Your Shot live yes. via Tequila Sunrise. So April 28th. Oh, you and then after that, we're, right? We're doing it April 28th, and then we're going to be doing that every month. Three companies get their shot at our judges, and our judges get to shoot back. <laughs> so, if you're a fan of Shark Tank, this is a this is a, a supply chain tech tech version of Shark Tank. And you know, Greg, Kevin, I know is a big fan because I follow him on Twitter, and I, I see him every Friday night. In fact, Kevin needs to be on Shark Tank. He, I can see him sitting in the chairs. You and uh, Greg both sitting in the chairs evaluating these pitches. But hey, it's a fun time. You learn a ton, and you see both sides of the coin. So yeah, uh, y'all check that out on April 28th. Uh, big thanks to Kevin L. Jackson, host of our Digital Transformers. You can also check his out. Uh, check out one of his books at Click to Transform. Get that wherever you get your books from. Oh, you know, we just released a new book called Quick List. So uh, you guys need to check that out. We'll talk more about that later. Man, Kevin, you never. I'm, I'm convinced you don't sleep at night. You just keep. I haven't written a sentence, and you've already written another book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's, it's about the power of persistence 
in business and life. I actually just wrote a uh, a chapter. Oh, I did see that. Uh... Um, yeah, I just wrote a chapter in it, and uh, I I collaborated with um, a good friend of mine out of Italy, uh, Alinka Rakowska. Hmm. Uh, she's a CEO of Leadership Press, and she actually found uh, there was like 30 different leaders in business that talked about how they became successful. So it's a, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a great book. Excellent. Well, you know, we've already put better knowing it's only a chapter. How about you, Scott? Right. (laughs) (laughs) I get lucky with a a couple paragraphs, but our team has already put the link in the comments. A wonderful, great job there. And congrats on your latest, one of your latest projects. And by the way, Stephen Haney. Yeah. He's going to fit right in. Says thanks for the shout out, Scott Lurgio. Yeah, so he's gonna fit right in. <laughs> so thank you for that, Stephen. Well, hey everybody, it's been a ton of fun on a, what looks like to be a gorgeous uh, day here in the Metro Atlanta area. Big thanks to uh, again the folks behind the scenes, Amanda and Natalie and Clay. Big thanks to all the comments uh, and the perspective and the serious stuff and not so serious stuff. It's important to maintain that sense of humor during challenging times like we're getting through. Big thanks to my co-host Kevin L. Jackson. And Greg S. White, the only two, one and only, both. Uh, pleasure to do, both, uh, do all this with you both. Kevin, look forward to having you back. Uh, and on that note, hope everybody has a home run week. Go out there and have the most productive week you've ever had. Uh, and we'll see you next time here on Supply Chain. Now, do good, give forward, be the change that's needed. And we'll see you soon. Thanks, everybody. Right. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.